Transcripts and recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner. Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I am your host, Dr. Ajina Mashira. So excited about this episode as I am each and every episode because I find the most amazing guests to have on Light It Up. This guest is very special to me because she's more like a little sister Um, Although she's done some very amazing things that I just haven't had the courage uh, to do. And we will talk about that in this episode. But I am blessed to have today Miss Sadiqwa Raouf as a guest on Light It Up. Uh, Sadiqwa is a veteran in the hair care industry. Um, She She's going to tell you all about that, but right now she serves as the Director of Education for Diva Curl. So welcome to Light It Up. Thank you, Dr. Agina. Yes, my big sis, it's like a pleasure and an honor and just like a ball of excitement to be here with you. Finally, we get a chance to like sit down and have our conversation outside of our other conversations. Right. Yeah. Cause we've been talking about this and talked about this with you last year when I launched light it up and then it was just crazy timing and we couldn't get it scheduled, but you're here and what a great month for you to um, be on the episode of light it up because it's March is women's history month. And um, I'm all about the empowerment of women, particularly black women. Um, but women also in general. And I wanted you to come on because although I'm older, um, (laughs) I just find what you have done um, with your life professionally and just, um, I guess on a personal level, I have always admired you. So I just want to give folks just a little bit of background of how we go back. Um, our dads went to, they went to high school together, right? Yeah. High school together, yep. Yep. So our fathers from Birmingham, Alabama, they went to high school together, best friends. So Sadiqwa's dad is like my second dad, God dad. And um, Sadiqwa, yes, a little sister that I didn't have. And for a period of time, you were here in Chicago as a youngster. Um, So I was definitely your big sister then. But one thing that I will remember always, 19 years ago, you decided to move from Birmingham, Alabama to New York City. And I don't know how old you were, but I do remember, I I will always remember the year because it was right after my uh, wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, was, it stands out in my mind because it was a year and a day right after 9-11. So that was 2002. And I was 22 years old, fresh out of college, I had just graduated in May. And in September, woohoo, I was 
in New York City. No family, no friends, hardly any money that would even be reasonable to talk about. And here I am, like. So talk, talk about being fearless um, and just at 22 years old, making the decision to go to New York City without, like you said, no family, you didn't know anybody. What was this something that you always dreamt of doing? How did you come to the decision that after graduating from college that you would move to the big city life because you're a Southern girl. So what, what was uh, the premise behind that decision? To be quite honest, it really just kind of happened. It spawned out of conversation with my father and my, you know, my mom and um, what, what did I really want to do? I had graduated school and I, at that point I had moved to Atlanta with my dad actually. And, um, and I was working with him at his business. He owns a construction company and I had ideas of possibly going to graduate school to get my master's. And I just, I wasn't feeling it to be quite honest. And I, I just, was like, what can I do to express myself? Like I definitely had the business acumen and I wanted to be there and be a support to um, have that content, that that continuity to like a family business and a contribution to it. But it just, as, as creative as it is, it just wasn't fulfilling for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I had a conversation with my dad and he was just like, oh, so you went to college and what are you going to do? Hang your degree over your salon chair. And I'm like, dude, with all due respect, there's like hairdressers that make more money than you. There's hairdressers that make more money than a lot of people that even live around us. So it's not in the sense of me just, and it, it's, it's no shade or disregard to anyone that does that, but I just had different ideas and, and visions of what that could possibly look like even though I didn't have a complete picture of it it was still very abstract and he was like all right cool so if you're going to do that then here's here's what we're going to compromise you're either going to go to California or New York and you're going to go somewhere where you could do this and be at the top of the game those are like New York is like fashion capital everything then you have your Californias where it's like Hollywood and that part of not trying to turn me into Hollywood, but proximity is important, right? Being in the right place at the right time. So thinking about like taking that business acumen with that creativity and putting it putting it in a kit and, and, and elevating it to the next level, those are the two prime places outside of going international, right? Right. So we sat down and we had a conversation. Honestly, it just, it just, it happened. I had no idea it was going to happen. I just, I, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm feeling what I'm feeling on the inside and I'm not feeling going to grad school. This is what people expect me to do, but this is not what I want to do. So when am I going to like stand up and fight for my rights? And that's what I did. I, I started negotiating very early, even in my own home. So fast forward, we had a conversation uh, due to some acquaintance and association of my stepmom who has a friend who had a friend who lived here it just kind of worked itself out and I sought out a, a little bit more of an advanced um, vocational program at Aveda Institute because I had already been doing hair and that's why New York and California were more of the options because I didn't need to go learn how to do hair mm -hmm. it was more the process the the, the technicalities behind it to get my licenses, but how could I do that at the same time 
and still continue my momentum moving forward. And New York just worked out. California was clear sky across the country. Mm-hmm. Again, right after 9-11, a lot of people had financial impacts because of that. And May, I can't even remember when I started that conversation. All I know is, is I graduated in May and September, September 12th, I landed here. I still have my ticket. They used to print the tickets out. Those yeah. little uh-huh. tickets, I still have it to this day. And I remember it was a very somber experience because it was one day after 9-11, September 12th, 2002. Mm-hmm. And you could see everybody on the plane just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, like this might be the first and the last time I see you, but we're not going to even talk about it. So it was a very interesting transition in and of itself. And I, I, I wouldn't say that I was fearless because it was extremely scary. It was just more about, I, I think I was more afraid of the what if than not what is happening. Like what happens if I don't take this chance? What happens if I sit here? What happens if I go forward in a path that I'm being forced in, 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 into? And I was, I think I was more afraid of that than jumping here. So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily like a fear girl because I boohoo when my dad got in that car and left me in New York. I was just like, what did I just do to myself? Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't a lack of fear by any stretch of the means. It was just what they say, like having the courage to just like fight through it. Mm-hmm. I was like, Listen, I'm here now. So I personally wanted to see what I was made out of, too. So I was like, let's go for it. It's so, uh, as I'm listening to you, you know, we, when we're on the outside looking in, of course, we see things differently. And so as you were talking about that, it wasn't that you, you know, didn't have some ounce of fear, but of course, that's not what I saw. And, you know, I saw this courageous, fearless, young 22 year old, and it's even 22 making the decision, you know, to leave, um, I I think about some of the decisions that I made at the age of 22, which were, you know, some pretty adult decisions. Um, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe it was something in that that number for for us. But um, when you went to, for undergrad, what did, what was your field of study? Was it business? Business administration, yes. Okay. Management, yes. Okay. Um, So you get to New York. you start your vocational courses, that sort of thing. Do, do you immediately begin to work in the hair care industry? Can you kind of walk us um, through that process? Because you've, you've done some pretty great things even in the industry in terms of your advancement as well over the years. Okay, thank you for that. So to answer your question, let, let first point, no, I didn't start immediately working because I was going to school at night. So in New York, as far as like, I, I, I didn't want to set myself up for failure and get started in the situation and then send myself back 20 paces. So I tried to follow the process and the protocol because I understand each state, if for those of us who aren't aware of it, as far as like cosmetology, barbering, any type of um, aesthetic programs, esthetician, massage, all of those things, each one of them, each state has its own mandate uh, about its required amount of hours. So California, one reason how I wound up at New York, just to sit back with that one. New York had a a more condensed timeline for me than a California would have. Not that that was a bad thing, but when you're hungry and you're ready to get up and get out and 
you know, you have limited time in regard to like your support that's coming in. Mm -hmm. A one-year program versus a two, three-year program looks a little bit more, um, it looks a little bit more, you know, desirable to you. And also just from a personality fit, I just, as much as a beach bomb as I am, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I love a beach. As much as a beach bomb as I am, like my personality just, I mean, outside of growing up in Birmingham, like outside of my accent, you would just probably think I was born here. It just fits, you know? Yeah. And um, that, that's just kind of how that went. So I was going to school at night. I was in a part-time program. So I would go to school at four o'clock downtown in Soho. And during the day when I first got here, just being thankful that I had, and I have parents who were extremely supportive. My, my father at the time was able to provide me with what you would consider like a, a stipend mm-hmm. to allow me to have food and basic necessities and things of that nature until I got my feet planted on the ground. And once I, I got settled in school, I started learning my way around New York. I used to just get on the train and get lost and find my way back. I don't like not knowing where I am. So once I started navigating around the city, I actually started to register with some temp agencies because I knew I couldn't take anything permanent. But I, over a period of time, I started getting these long-term temporary jobs. Mm-hmm. I even worked at Columbia's Teachers College for months at a time. I had another position. So during the day, I would work odd jobs here and there. And then at night, I would, I would go to school. And once I got my license, I immediately went into the salon. And that was just kind of how that went. Okay. And you also because I've watched you, obviously, you do all types of hair as well. So you're not just, you know, uh, you don't uh, position, you you didn't position yourself to where you were only doing um, hair for Black women. You have the skills and talents to do all sorts of hair. Is that not correct? Extremely correct. And that was one reason why I wanted to expand my horizons and my exposure to that, because in a certain way, not that I had perfected it, but it was one of those things where I was like, what's next? You know, like, what can I add to it? And even in Birmingham, I still had clients, no matter what their skin type was, their hair types were extremely diverse. So one could consider that I had clients who look like me and you that had what you would consider Caucasian type hair. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not Caucasian hair. It's not black hair. It's hair. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some women of color who have like extremely straight silky hair and there are non-women of color who have very textured tight oily hair Mm -hmm. so for me hair is hair and that was one of the reasons when I explained it to my dad that I wanted to leave from down there because I wanted to be able to no matter where I went in the world be able to touch everybody's hair because I've just always been intrigued and inspired by hair in general no matter where it came from and the fact that I didn't have that much exposure to it when I was younger just fueled that hunger for me to be exposed to it even more so that's why New York was just like perfect for me okay so how did um you went into the salon you you did hair for uh what a period of years and then you decided to transition onto the I don't know what you call it, the product side or? Probably, you can call it going corporate. <laughs> okay. So what made you decide to go corporate? Circumstances. 
having gone to business school, also having parents and everyone around me who are entrepreneurs and very business minded, I understood what was happening. I used to work in what one can consider like high rent district in New York, one of the areas. Um, and when not rich, but when wealthy people stop spending money on luxuries, there's a problem mm -hmm. that happens too often. So even, I don't know if most of us even realize it, even in depressions, even in economic downfalls, like wealthy individuals, most often than most, more times than not, they're not hugely impacted by those things. And the luxuries of life still carry on beyond a certain degree. It may not be as frequent, but they don't stop. Right. And they stopped. I knew it was time and I had got used to making a certain type of money myself. So, and also again, being in a shark tank, mm -hmm. knowing I had to sink or swim, I, in the back of my mind, those conversations that I had with my father and my mom back in the day was here is the universe pushing me in that direction, which I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew having gone to get my degree was setting me up for a, a time in my life that was going to, that was going to cause me to recall that. I didn't know when it was going to be, but that was that time. And then that's when I sought out other opportunities with in my industry, but relative to developing my business acumen in a corporate sense, because again, I didn't want to go home with my tail in between my legs. And I just, I wasn't ready to give up then. So I, I stuck it out. I mean, I might be a little crazy, but I ain't stupid. You know, I definitely would have I would have known when to like, you know, put my cards on the table and fold them, but it just wasn't time yet. And, and I stuck it out and I had, girl, I used to go to coin. People might not believe it. I've been at coin star pulling coins down the mm. coin star thing to pay my rent. I used to eat bagels for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, eating slices of pizza, horrible acne because all I eat is pizza and drink coffee. Like, and this is what I try to tell my nieces and my nephews, like you all see certain things, but you didn't see the in-between and it, it wasn't there. I didn't document it and I wasn't trying to use it as a Achilles heel or anything to, to like harp on, but like, yeah, I put some elbow grease into getting to this point. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't all like this, it wasn't a crystal stare. Right. I think that's um, an important uh, point to make, uh, you know, and I mentioned it earlier, even with me looking at, you know, your evolution and, and your decision to move, we didn't see, I wasn't necessarily privy to everything that you experienced to get to where you are now. And I think that, you know, as a society, as people, oftentimes that's what we focus on. We focus on the end product, you know, what we see, but we don't know what, um, all of the work, the hard work and effort and sacrifices that, um, you know, your success entail. I can tell you, I get all of the time from people who, um, you know, talk about the fact everybody knows that my world, my heart belongs to my children. And so people don't see the fact that I'm a divorced mom of three, that it's not easy I mean, I've been fortunate and blessed to have children who so far have done everything that I've asked them to do. I mean, they can give me a little bit of grief every now and then, but people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. 
They don't see what I go through trying to raise three children without the support of my ex-husband in terms of being there, you know, as a co-parent, not talking about the financial aspect, but just, you know, co-parenting in general. Tangible things. It's yeah. like being there to hold a hand, hug somebody, give a, you know, if you made a high five or like good job, you know, those things go a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think in our community, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I have children but I'm on the outside I have been a child mm-hmm. you know I have had parents so and, I, and my brother has children and I have friends who have children one thing I will say is that the focus on the financial part of it I get it I get it children are expensive hell human grown adults are expensive without having children I can tell you that right now so but I'm just going to use myself as an example, you know, for all intents and purposes, like you and I can both say, as far as like material needs, we didn't want, mm-hmm. but anything as far as that goes, relatively speaking, right. You know, our parents weren't a part of the billionaires boys club, but we had very nice, comfortable, adequate lives. Mm-hmm. If you may, but with that comes a lot of hard work, a lot of time away a lot of our dads and our moms sacrificing those things. So in a large way, we were very well cared for, but at the same time, I can speak for myself, kind of left up to my own devices in a, a, a large portion of that time. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that as a child, you're talking about being fearless and courageous. Like I went to my dad and I told him, I don't want your money. I don't want you to buy me clothes. I don't want these things. I want to know what your favorite ice cream is. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you like to watch on TV. I want to know what your favorite color is. You know, like those things matter to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, okay. We got to pause there. Because <laughs> now I'm going to start crying. It's okay. It's okay. Like we said, we're going to take the conversation with, let people see you be vulnerable. I don't care about that. people see you be vulnerable it's fine I of course I had a moment because I was thinking about my father um because I always felt like um a lot of the decisions that I made just with school um graduating from high school early college a lot of times, you know, people ask like, well, what's the motivation? And I always wanted to make my father proud of me. Um, but I also felt like I was competing, trying to get his attention too. Um, of course, I knew my dad loved me, but when you have parents who are working hard and they have their passion and their vision for what they're trying to build. And when they, um, I guess, have to do things for so many other people, it can feel like, you know, you're an afterthought. Hi, I'm over here. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so just thinking about like, I didn't have conversations with my father like that. Like, well, what's your favorite color? You know, everything was about teaching a lesson, whether or not we were driving in the car, um, 
huge Nancy Wilson, Smokey Robinson fan because that's all my father listened to. So I knew what he liked, but we didn't have like those type of conversations. Um, and those are the things that I do wish growing up, you know, that he would have just stopped to take the time um, to, you know, kind of lighten up, not be so serious all the time. Um, because Girl, I, I forced that issue. So you can talk to Raouf about it. Like I, I forced that issue. I, Girl, my heart was about to jump out of my chest. But again, you know, even again, just going back to being like a little tight. I couldn't have been any more than like eight, nine, 10 years old at that point. Mm -hmm. I was just like, something's not right. Like I just always just kind of like went with it. And, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing, but it was just like, this is what, I don't know, maybe intuitively, I just realized like closed mouths don't get fed. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The other piece is that, um, you can lose a lot of time, you know, when you don't stop and just say, what is it that you need? Expression, communication, really. And it's all about how you communicate. Um, I was recently interviewed for um, an article and the, um, the person asked like, when did you first discover your passion for writing? And I immediately thought about when I used to write letters, um, I really wrote the letters to my father. I didn't write the letters to my mother because, you know, we talked all the time. Talked to my mother all of the time about anything. But my father was always difficult to talk to him. So I wrote letters and I would pour my heart out in the letters. And then that's when we would have our conversation. So that was the way that I would have to, you know, get his attention. But I still, and I don't want to come across as if I didn't get attention from him, but the type of attention that I yearned for. Um, because we also know um, that parents do the best that they can and the best, you know, with the tools that they have and how they know how to parent. Um, but at the end of the day, oftentimes that child is still either going to feel like something is not good enough or they wanted their parents to parent them a different way, you know, so. Yeah, you know, that's why I like, you know, I think there's an opportunity, especially for even our community, especially in separate households. It's not, uh, uh, again, the money aspect is definitely important. But again, that time and that type of interaction matters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get away with my sisters and my brothers who use their children as bargaining chip tools to control the other party or it's only about the money. I, like I said, I take it from somebody who's been a child mm -hmm. and these children are exceptionally quicker than we are. Like it's not going to work out for you in the end, because as we grow and we start to put two and two together and we start dialing back in our memory box and our toolbox, trust me, it's never going to work out because as human beings, we are innately wired and set up to connect with each other and love each other and develop and grow with each other. And it is not about a dollar. Right. People, I have been to odd ends of the world, even to Thailand, 
even in Dominican Republic with kids running around with no shoes on, those kids were just as happy as they were. They were sitting around their family. They were all there together. That stuff matters, but then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And in this country, we just have, we're just so focused on the material goods that even with this pandemic, and we're a year and some change into it, I think. Um, I just remember all of last year, while everyone, you know, and I look at um, what parents are going through for some of the states or cities that um, their children are still learning remote and that sort of thing. But I have to tell you, I um, counted it as a blessing that I was in a position and have been fortunate enough to be in a position to be at home with my children and still working while they're, um, you know, in school remote for the last year. But I was like, this is the perfect time for me to continue to bond with them because I don't have to worry about, you know, ripping and running, trying to physically get to work. And that's cutting away from the time that I can actually be spending with my children. And then um, I think it gave me an opportunity to really reflect on what's important in life, you know? Um, so it was, um, it, this has been like a period of reflection um, for me and just trying to look at um, all of the things that I've taken for granted, you know, in life and trying to make sure that I keep my children grounded and not take, um, you know, what they've been blessed with for granted. Yeah. Like for me, like I went home to Alabama a few weeks ago. I hadn't spent that much time with my mom in over 20 something years. Cause I've been in New York September made 18 years and then on top of that I went off to school of course I used to come back and forth home but a continuous month of time in over 22 years have I not had that type of time mm -hmm. and spent energy with my mom and that was precious to me and you know being in New York people are like oh how did you just get up and move away from your family and this and that and the other and they I, I knew what I had to do for me. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't it, staying there. And as painful as it is to, and I'm not even saying was, as it is, because I miss every day with them. I miss my nieces and my nephews. One of my nephews, when I first moved, he, he took this a little difficult. He was like, why did you move away until you're like my best friend? And he didn't understand that I couldn't just come pick him up. He's like, can you tell the airplane to come bring you to see me? You know, like after a while he started to like understand, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. And I'm mean, still not easy. So again, when you, when you follow, I guess your passions, and I didn't even know if it was a passion, but it was just something on the inside of me that was pushing me that I just, I couldn't sit still where I was and I didn't know where I was going when I got here, but I felt even in my, my discomfort, I felt oddly comfortable in it. Mm -hmm. it I, I don't know if that makes any sense. It felt like I was, I was freeing myself to realize myself mm -hmm. for a change because I was very much like you wanting to make my parents proud, 
wanting to like shine in my dad's ear you know they have very high standards and they because they're very like they're they're high standards in and of themselves right so and not in a, a militant way or anything like that but just like there's this unspoken thing like you got to show up you right. know like and I, I i figured out i needed to show up for myself first Do no matter how hard i tried to show up for other people I was on the other end of the stick feeling some type of way about it. No matter how much accolades I got, no matter, oh, good girl, no matter how many honor roll ribbons and stuff like that, I would still be sitting over there in the corner like, I don't really feel, I don't really feel that great about this. Mm -hmm. What do you know? There are so many, um, we just talk about women who go through this, who, give themselves to everyone else who's always trying to make everyone else happy but then they don't have anything left for themselves or they just don't stop to give themselves what they need i guess you know what you describe is a way that uh, you had to make a decision that was going to actually give you the space to be, like you said, to be who you were, who you are. What advice can you give those of us who may be stuck, who are constantly pouring into others, constantly, you know, trying to do things to appease other people, but on the inside really are not in a good space or are hurting because they won't, you know, allow themselves to live. What advice I would have for someone who's stuck is, is really, we all have a, a, a magical inner voice, right? We all call it intuition. We call it the voice of God. We call it guidance. We call it whatever. But there, for a simple, for, in simple terms, we all have this inner voice that speaks to us that a lot of us drown out. I will say being ingrained in every other aspect of everyone else's life prevented me from hearing my voice. But once I, it was always something, it was always a feeling, right? That I would just ignore because I would get busy or I would, you know, find another, another task to accomplish or another medal to get or another sport to, to, play in just for the sheer enjoyment of it because I had this energy in me that I didn't really know what to do with. It's just take some time and sit back. And again, not being fearless, but have the courage to say, I don't feel right. And even if you don't know what that means for you going forward, I don't feel good. I don't feel fulfilled. I know I need something, but I might not know what it is. And that's okay. Because again, like me, I came here no itinerary whatsoever. Girl, I tapped my way around in the dark, but I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be, I think not have to be, I think it would be wise to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And a lot of us don't like discomfort. I place myself in uncomfortable situations all the time for the sheer, the sheer act of conquering that fear. I don't like being afraid of things. So I'm the type of person that I'm going to get over that fear because 
that fear stifles me. And when I feel stifled, I feel suffocated. And when I feel suffocated, I feel like I can't breathe. And I'm a butterfly. I like to fly and I like to breathe. So when I don't like something, I just got to the point where I was like, screw it. I'm going to change it. And I, I, people can give you all of these steps. It starts with you. Just be real with yourself mm -hmm. and just, just sit with it and be okay. Just as happy as I am, I'm okay with that. When I feel tears or an emotion come on, I sit, I process it and I let it pass. And it's like, it never happened. So I just think this is a time and this is what COVID has done. I was already there, but we have lost our calibration with our inner selves. We have been so distracted and so inundated by messages and you need to do this or you should have this or, you know, even me, I get from people, oh, it must be something wrong with you. You 40, I don't mind telling you 40 years old, you ain't never been married and you ain't never had kids. Now, nah, maybe it's something wrong on the opposite side because I've been there and done that where I was in serious relationships and saw that it was going left. I just kept going and life has just happened that way. I have friends and it's no, again, no, no shade that are in marriages that are just as unhappy as they want to be. So really and truly, who is that for? Who, who is that making comfortable? A child a life that I'm responsible for is not a game. Again, I have been a child. Mm -hmm. I would not want to not be able to, in the best sense that I'm aware of, have something to be able to offer them. And when I say something, I mean myself. And I had to find myself first before I was permanently and fully responsible of making sure somebody else can realize themselves. And once I got to that point, yes, 30 something years had passed by. I haven't found a, a, a viable suitor for me. And until then, as they say, I'm gonna live my best life because I don't feel like I'm missing anything. You know, it's, um, <laughs> I have to laugh at what you're saying because it's so true that um, there are times where single people wish and aspire to be married thinking that the grass is green on the other side and then you've got some people who are married like you said who are not happy who wish that they were single and now I've had the fortune of living both worlds and <laughs> I will tell you that um the longer I've been divorced now for eight years it has been November 6, 2013 will be eight years. <laughs> and, and I just remember even when I told people I was divorced or getting a divorce and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm not. Because I had to get to a place. I'd been married. I can't remember how long I'd been married before I made the decision um, to go through with it. But the thought had crossed my mind multiple times because I was not happy. And I remember when I told my father that I was getting a divorce and he said, but you all go and take these family pictures like you're so happy. And at the time I was like, so am I not supposed to take family pictures? I got family, like, you know, but 
I wasn't, but I didn't have to let everybody know what was going on inside those four walls of my home, but I was not happy. There were a lot of things that were, um, that had transpired. And for me, it wasn't until I turned 35 that I finally said, like, I have to stop living my life for other people. And I have to do what's going to make me happy. And, and to be perfectly honest, one of the reasons why, the main reason why I stayed in the marriage as long as I did is because I had children. And I felt that, you know, my parents were still married. I didn't want to um, raise uh, children in um, a single parent home. But then on the flip side, if they're in a household where you have parents who are not happy, who are constantly bickering back and forth, and that's a toxic environment. Why would anybody want to raise children in a toxic environment? And then they don't have an opportunity to see really how a marriage um, where there's like open lines of communication, honesty, and trust, like those are the things that children should see, not the, you know, the, the toxicity and chaos. The skeleton of what it should be like, because it's just like, oh, it's just like, here's the mama, here's the daddy, here's the kids, it's just a branch, but then there's no leaves on it, there's no substance to it, and people right. are caught up in the in the, in the the outline of it, and not necessarily the, again, the intangibles that come along with that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it Again, it's just, I mean, I hear you say I've done some great things. I don't know. I guess I just, my dad tells me I'm too humble. It's just, again, I just, I have, I have certain things that needed to be excavated. And I understood even as far as like, let's just say a man goes like, until and, and I'm not so career driven because I definitely you know I, I I definitely I definitely live my life I have no issue with that but I've just always been very focused even when I was in school as much as a kind of hooligan as I was behind the scene I knew my business was in the front and my party was in the back I just always kind of had a balance with that type of stuff mm-hmm. and and I even used to tell my parents, like, I'm not a Miss Goody Two-Shoes by any stretch of the means. Like, don't, don't, don't get, get it twisted. Yeah, don't get it twisted. I'm a human being. I live my life. But I like to keep people out of my face. So in a large way, like, I was very driven in my own ways. But then the reward that came along with that was freedom. Mm-hmm. You're right. People leave you alone. It was a simple equation. That was just what I went with. How do you protect your peace? Healthy boundaries. That was another thing that I was going to add on to, like for those individuals who might be stuck. Um, Healthy boundaries are extremely important because as as forceful as I may be with being direct, and I don't mean in a negative way, but I can, I, I have no issue in a lot of ways saying what comes out of my mouth. But a healthy boundary sets everyone up for success because if it comes out, it's not like it goes back. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's not, oh, you this or when you, you, you do this or you do that. Hey, when you say this, it makes me feel this way. When you do this, this is how this makes me feel. Not you're doing, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing. And here's what I'm okay with accepting. 
here's what I'm not okay accepting. Here's where I feel the line is being drawn to be disrespectful. Sometimes we don't know what disrespect means to us until it actually happens. Mm -hmm. So you can't, I don't know anybody that has like a full 10 bullet checklist. I mean, of course there are like superficial things that, but that's different for everybody at the same time. What I might find, okay, you might find extremely like, oh, no, no, no. So there's not like this general rule, but again, setting healthy boundaries. And that comes in every aspect of life, because even in my career, I have been put in situations or have been given opportunities that may have looked like they were the shiny new object, but my healthy boundary within myself, what does this mean for me? 10 years down the road to just detour for this quick, this quick little satisfaction here. Nope. It might take me maybe six more months to a year, but this detour is going to push me back 10 years, you know? So it's just, it's just the best thing I can say is healthy boundaries. And that's even for yourself, Mm -hmm. knowing when to engage and, and when to withdraw and being okay with the fact that everyone is not going to like it. Especially the people who have reaped the benefits of you not having any healthy boundaries. They are going to react violently to you withdrawing from them. So, okay. The energy vampires will soon find somebody else to suck their blood. And you will see very quickly and very surely they, they were not there for your best interest anyway. Well said. (laughs) So I want to ask you, um, as far as now in your professional career, or just even outside of that, you've had an opportunity, like you said, to travel internationally. Like there was a point in time before COVID, every time I looked around, I couldn't keep up. You weren't in New York. I know that much. (laughs) So um, how how much of um, your travels were, I guess, a part of your um, requirements as a professional working in the hair care industry? And how much of it was just because you wanted to be able to just travel and see the world? Because you have that freedom and flexibility to do that. Some of us got to arrange for uh, child care. <laughs> Another another factor that went into that, I was yeah. like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later because sister girl got some more flybouts. <laughs> but um, I will say, I was in the salon working, and I was around a group of people who were a, a group of young people of color um, from all walks of life, and they were some go-getters, and I was inspired, and not in a hater-type way, but I was just like, damn, I gotta get my stuff together to be able to, like, do this, like, some of them would, in the summertime, they'd be on yachts, or, and it's not in a super, it's just, it's the expansion of the mind, like, oh, who was thinking about Martha's Vineyard, who was thinking about going skiing, like, those were experiences that, like, you just don't get to trade those after a certain point, so, I was like, all right, if I don't work, I don't eat. So when am I going to put myself in a situation where I can start to travel? Again, man, I didn't even talk about this, manifesting your reality. Yes. I started putting that, that seed out there. Lo and behold, 
my steps ordered me and led me into a position that afforded me the opportunity to travel. So, and it wasn't immediately, don't get me wrong. I didn't just walk into L'Oreal and next thing you know, they would put me on planes and stuff. I had to, I had to earn my right to be in those, in those spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, I would say I've always had a tenacity for wanting to move around but I knew I had to be 10 toes down and build my equity in my, in my company and just learn the ropes. I would say after a certain point, it became like 50, 50 because we travel so much that we had comp days and, and things of that nature. If I was a better planner, I probably would have been gone more than I, what you, what yeah. you thought that I was gone. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really it was more my desire to want to travel that put me in a space that I manifested a, 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 a work opportunity that provided for me while being able to travel. So it wasn't, it wasn't separate. It literally was me manifesting that for myself because I was like, how do I, how do I do what I want to do and still get paid? Boom. Next thing you know, a few months, couple of years later, here I am. It just, you know, sometimes it doesn't come in the exact form that mm -hmm. you think it may, but when I realized it and I recognized it, I was like, okay, this is exactly what I asked for. Back in the day, I used to say I wanted to like develop my own hair care products and have my own product line. Fast forward, I worked for L'Oreal, testing and developing products, approving them with the marketing team. It wasn't for Sadiqa Raouf, but essentially I was putting Sadiqa Raouf's stamp on a lot of things before it left the wall. So I was getting, I manifested these things for myself. I'm so glad that you mentioned um, manifesting your reality because the very first episode of season two, which was episode 56, we talked about the power of manifestation. Did you, so I just want to take it like a little quick detour because you know, um, no, I'm used to this. <laughs> um, so how did you begin to implement that into your life? Because was this something that you um, started to do at a certain age? Was there a certain point in time where you just felt like you've got to do something different because maybe the universe wasn't properly aligned for you what how did you begin to um I guess study and focus on manifestation and the laws of attraction because when you consistently keep walking down paths and these boulders keep being thrown in your way and you don't pay attention it's it's only going to lead you into like a really negative kind of unsavory place and I was I was trying to go against the grain so much and the and it was reacting violently because I knew better and the more I pushed the harder the slaps kept getting mm -hmm. if that makes any sense mm -hmm. the harder I tried to like resist my in, my inner self and my intuition and focusing on those things the more someone from the outside would just like make my life so uncomfortable or I would be put in so many uncomfortable situations where I had to like focus on myself and I'm just like what's happening to me because I'm a fun free loving person like why is everybody around me like so why what's the what's the static for mm -hmm. and 
it just took me a second to realize like this is pushing me in a way that I need to go the opposite direction of where I'm going because this just doesn't feel right. And I think sometimes we we think we want these things or we think we want a certain lifestyle and we keep pushing against it. And it's like, stuff just keeps happening to you left and right. But you're like, oh, somebody hating on me, the devil trying to get me. No, sweetie, you're manifesting that for yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's what you're creating for yourself. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and the, and the thoughts that we have and the subconscious vibrations and all those things that we put out there and the reality that comes in front of us, that is our creation. That's our creation. I don't personally think an amazing, we can go this going, I don't think an amazing God created us and created evil. I think evil is something that man created. So how can a, a God create something of himself and destroy it at the same time? that's a whole other topic. So I just want us to realize like those things I was creating myself and I had enough qualms about myself to take a chill pill and extract myself in a large way um, and, and get real with myself and, and, and figure out what was going on with me. Why did I have certain behavioral patterns that I have? Um, if, if people were responding to me in a particular way, more than one or two people, what am I bringing to the situation versus like, it's everybody else. Like, how am I showing up in a certain way? What is the energy that I'm projecting out? What is the, what's the source that I'm coming from that's drawing these things to me? I've always been kind of a dweeb and a a, a nerd, if you may. Mm -hmm. I understood science in a lot of ways, like opposites attract and like repels. Right. So I kept attracting the opposite of where I wanted to be. So it didn't take me long to figure out like I'm in the wrong spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm in the wrong company. I'm in the wrong mind frame. So I just, I just started seeking out literature, um, people started coming into my circle that would guide me toward those things. And of course I got extracted out of my, so there was no one major point of impact. I think that was a very long winded way of saying that, but there was no major one point of impact. It was a series of events Mm -hmm. and a culmination of periods of time that made me realize like, you're not cut out for what you think people think you should be cut out for. You have a completely different focus. You have a completely different path and you need to own that and you need to sit down and you need to figure out what that means for you because forget everybody else. All right. Forget everybody else. I had to forget everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a way where I wasn't available, Mm -hmm. but I literally had to sit and stare at myself in the mirror and look at myself. Some days I didn't even like looking at myself. I had to, I had to like, I had to talk to myself for all the good and the equally as nasty and bad and trifling things. Mm-hmm. Cause we all got stuff that right. comes. Anybody that sits and act like they don't BS, right? I literally would sit with myself sometimes and just, you're a procrastinator. You're doing this. 
why didn't you do ABC one, two, three? You know, that's your fault, right? You can be mad at such and such if you want to, but who's like, I literally would have these conversations with myself out loud. And once I started doing that, things started changing. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I had my moments of beating myself up about it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, how am I ever going to move on if I continue to like stay here? Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it's, it's a process. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm just thinking about my own, um, I guess, my own process. I think for me, um, there were little things, I guess, but I think I got to the place where um, this, I don't know, mine was related to relationships, right? Because I had been, or I can still, I can probably say I have been me own my shit today. (laughs) I have been stuck in a place where I have not attracted um, the type of companion that I think is good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, There's always something. Um, they may start out great, but then, you know, um, there's something that may come up. So one of my, what I've often said to men when I date them is lying by omission is a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't deal with men or people in general who lie by omission. To me, it's a lie. I'd rather for you to be upfront, honest, lay it all out on the table, and then I'll make the decision as to whether or not I want to stay in this or exit left. And sure enough, um, and I think because that was always having a man um, have another relationship outside of the relationship with me has always been something that will be a deal breaker for me, Um, especially if I find out about it. So we can have a whole different conversation about those who live a whole nother life. Oh, that whole realm right there, girl, we can go into a whole other segment about that because you know I love to get on that. (laughs) Right. So those were the type of individuals that I was attracting. And then for me, I'm like, what's the need to go outside of this relationship. Um, And so I started thinking about if I'm constantly saying, or if I have this checklist, right, where I say, well, I don't want a man who X, Y, Z, you know, if I'm putting that out there, that's what I'm attracting. So I was like, I have to change my my mentality, my way of thinking, change what I'm speaking Mm -hmm. and putting out there in the universe. Mm And, um, and so, uh, Kalila Adams, that's the person that I had on, um, on the first episode of this season, she launched, she has this blog called high powered love. And she talks about, um, how she attracted her husband, how she manifested him. And so before she even met him or before they started dating, 
she had everything all mapped out. She tells the story and her daughter was like, you are crazy. Like you're talking about a wedding dress and a ring. You don't even have a boyfriend. She was like, oh, that's just minor details. But the, the man that she ended up marrying was a friend of hers. They weren't even thinking about each other in that way, but he had his own stuff that he was working through just like, you know, the same for her. And, um, so anyway, that's what kind of sparked my interest as well, because I was like, I need to do something different. There is something that just isn't right with the people that I am allowing to enter into my space. Um, and then there's some other aspects of my life where I just felt like, okay, I need to take control of setting the healthy boundaries, as you pointed out. So that's where I am right now in my life. Um, I've always tried to exercise some form of boundaries, but it's all in the presentation. Mm-hmm. And now that I've learned that I needed to change my presentation, things are a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it helps tremendously. And I think before I even had a fear of like, well, if I put this boundary around this person, are they going to exit my life? So sometimes I wouldn't say what I was really feeling out of fear of losing them, but then I was losing myself. So it's just like, who's losing on at the end of the moment, like me. So if, like you said, these are your deal breakers, like, I think there's an opportunity to express what those things are but accept them and let them go and not focus on them you know what I mean and it's more of like directing your energy to materialize what it is that you do want it's just like in the back of my mind I know I'm not going to deal with this I'm cool with that so as soon as I see it it, uh, exit left you know what I mean so it's not I don't want this because I was doing the same thing girl I had a relationship I think that probably helped me deep dive into it Mm -hmm. I remember very vividly where I was like, girl, I'm probably going to wind up with doom, 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 doom. <laughs> girl, lo and behold, doom, 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 showed up at my doorstep in every way imaginable, mm-hmm. with full force. And I remember I had a moment where I was like, you called all of this right into your life. You playing. That's why even when I play now, even when I'm having like little fun talks, I'm very mindful about what I say even more so than I used to be because it is words are powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that situation brought me down to my knees. And the funny thing is, even when I was going through it, I even used to tell this individual, the day and the time that comes when I stop playing the fool of the leading role in your movie this is no longer going to be. I knew for some reason I had to endure that. It was it was a reason because without having gone through that, I wouldn't have completely stripped myself down to reveal this shell of a person that wasn't fully realizing themselves. I was at the cusp. And when you just at that point where you about to get over the hill, that's when Goliath and anything the major players started trying to knock you down and that was like one of my goliaths and i conquered that and i knew it i knew it i knew it deep in my heart i knew it was a reason 
that I call that into my existence because without it, I wouldn't have humbled myself beyond a certain point. The evolution is absolutely amazing. And I owned it. I said, you know what? I, I, I am responsible for this. I allowed this. I can change this. So if there's anything that we've learned is that we, we do have power to make changes in our lives and words have power. Yeah. I mean, if you want to pivot back to the whole career thing, the same thing happened. Like I said, I was working in the salon, um, like I said, in high red district. And like I said, wealthy, like when wealthy people stop spending money, it's a problem. So mm-hmm. it was time for me to like figure out what that looked like. So I, <laughs> I, I like sought out the L'Oreal's and stuff of the world through traditional means. But then that was back when Craigslist and all that stuff was like really popping, right? So I just so happened to be on there. My dad was like, you're very clever. <laughs> I just so happened to be on there. Girl, I had sent my resume a thousand times, a thousand times, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw this Craigslist ad for the technical center that used to test the products like what I do. Okay. So looking for hair models to test the products on. So I saw that ad and some said, ding, 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 ding. I was like, send your resume and your cover letter here. I was like, there's clearly people doing the hair behind this. I want to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. And so I sent my resume and my cover letter to that email and it took a couple of months, but it, it, at some point, the gentleman who became like one of my dear friends, even along with being my mentor and my boss, like he called me. And I was just about to give up at that point and and fold my little my little my little box suitcase up and go on back to the go on back down south, like fly south for the winter. And I knew something was gonna break, but then I was still kind of scared. And lo and behold, he called me. And that's how I got my my job at that time at a L'Oreal at the testing center. And very quickly and very very like seamlessly I, I I made myself indisposable and indispensable to that organization and then a permanent headcount position became available and then I became a manager and then my career spawned mm-hmm. and I went from testing products and working with the labs and working with artists to developing education to the point where you would see me standing in front of people and delivering content and training sales teams and training artists. And that's when you would see me in Rome and Mm -hmm. and all those fun places. And and then I switched brands in 2018-ish, I think. Yeah, the end of 2017, early 2018, and went to Biolodge. And that was another evolution within the L'Oreal brand that sent me into like a different atmosphere that allowed me to actually implement the skills that I had learned at Redken for those 10 plus years that I was there. And it actually gave me an opportunity to, again, take something. I always said I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wasn't going to go and do it through traditional means. But here I am in the industry that I love, again, being a teacher. I used to want to be a judge or a lawyer. Basically, I'm doing all of those things because at the end of the day, we were the judge, jury, and executioner of how things move in our brand. Mm-hmm. So it might not look like the exact form, right. but 
it it manifested itself in my life and in, in in a in a way that is very fulfilling for me in an in, in an industry and with a a tangible skill that allows me to really bring to life a full combination of everything that I have essentially thought about doing. That's great. Now, what I want to know is how have you, what have you done? You've done all of this for these made for the hair care industry and these major companies and brands, and you're very successful in that, um, in that arena. What have you done for Sadiqa Rauf? Does Sadiqa Rauf have a brand um, or business that she has launched, is launching? What are you doing for, for you in the entrepreneurial realm? Okay. Well, for Sadiqa Rauf, Sadiqa Rauf sees herself as a fancy Southern girl, right? So therefore you have an LLC that's called Fancy Magnolia. So I'm a fancy Southern girl and very strong and very persevering like a magnolia tree. And what Fancy Magnolia is, it's a retail and accessories line that's black owned that I, I, back in the day I used to color and it was, you know, you wrote your letters. I used to write stories and I would color. I used to draw Disney characters and then I would like color them in. And I would have all these coloring books. So a few years ago, I started doing it again. And as an example, I hand colored this design and I have started to put them on accessories. So you start to see like yoga pants, joggers, cell phone covers, mugs, anything that can take a print, you will start to soon see Fancy Magnolia come into life. And I... um. I was sitting around in this lounge one day and this girl that used to hang around there all the time, she and her husband, she walked over to me because I have this huge bag. It probably has like anywhere between three and 500 pins in there. Mm-hmm. And she walked over and I would have them spread out. The dude would just like, give me a big sofa and just let me spread out and like do all my stuff. And she came over and she was like, can I see your book? And I was just like, not really, but okay. So she takes it over and like gives it to her husband. And I noticed that he's an artist because he's always drawing, but I didn't, I never looked at his pictures and I didn't know like what type of artist. So next thing I know, here they come walking over to me and I'm like, oh God, they're about to just eat my stuff all the way up and just like, probably just like spit it out at me. And she gave me the most amazing compliment that a nun, I don't see myself as like an artist, if you may, in that arena she was like, your depth to color perception, this was like what she, I remember, she said, your depth to color perception is immaculate. She was like, the way you color, and she was like, the fact that you're even using crayons and color pencils and um, acrylic pens, she was like, these images look like they're about to jump off of the the page. She was like, they look real. And I was like, for real? And she was like, these are dope. She was like, have you ever thought about doing what do you call it? An art exhibit. Mm-hmm. I was like, girl, for what? I was like, who would come by these paintings? I was like, who would come by these little, these little, these little rinky dink pictures? She was like, my husband and I would buy them. She was like, we went through your book. She was like, you could sell these. Wow. And I was like, seriously? She was like, yo, she was like, this is dope. And I, I have an issue letting go of my originals. So 
I, I was like, okay, so what can I do to like bring this to life? Posted one of them on Instagram. Next thing I know, one of my friends DM me and was like, can I get that print for a t-shirt? And I was like, wait, you would wear that on a shirt? And he was like, hell yeah, I'll wear that on the shirt. That's dope. And I, he was like, matter of fact, he was like, why don't you just like put it on a t-shirt and sell it to me? Boom. Boom. That's how that happened. Okay. I didn't want to part ways with my originals. Like, yeah. So because you put them up at an art exhibit and somebody comes to buy them, it's like, I'm never going to see it again. What am I going to do about it? Some of those images, it takes me three weeks to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're small. Like this, this probably took me about two and a half weeks to color. Oh, wow. And it's small. Yeah. So... I was just like, even I, I did one for my dad for Father's Day, girl. As much as I love giving him stuff, girl, I was putting it in the envelope. I was just like, oh. <laughs> it was supposed to be an original for him. You knew you're going to have to part ways with it. Girl, I knew, but when the time came, it was hard. It was hard. It was hard. Do so you- that's where I am. Okay. So where can people find Fancy Magnolia if they want to order? Like, I really like the, um, I'm glad to see you're an iPhone user. <laughs> hey, the shade. You know, I'm a snob when it comes to that. Look, if somebody texts me, this is only if, okay. Real talk. If, if I'm communicating with a man and I get a text and the bubble is green, I'm like, ugh. Why? Okay. Girl, I swear, I think so many of me and my friends had that same. I'm like, are you? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I can't see voice memos, nothing. Right. It's just nothing. so much easier. And then they want to ask you, do you use WhatsApp and do them? No, I use FaceTime. <laughs> but I had to get WhatsApp because of my artist. So like being international. So I kind of got used to it, girl. I even have I even have a little shorty now that just downloaded his WhatsApp. It was kind of cute. <laughs> I have it now too, but I don't like it. I prefer to FaceTime. So much easier. Not everybody's an iPhone user. We just have to. We have to accept it. Accept it. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> so where can people find uh, if they want to? place an order, t-shirts, phone case. Now the site is being updated. I just, I, I've been working with a sister talking about like empowerment. Um, I have a young lady that I used to work with at L'Oreal who was a graphic designer and she afforded me the opportunity to work with her to redo my logo because the one that I did, honey, it was a, a tap and a paste, like a placeholder. So what I'm doing now is I just got it and I am now re- aligning all of my pieces because um some of them I had put the logo on and I just didn't like it so now that the logo is resized and I have like various colors I'm now placing them on my items and I'm going to upload them to my store but for now until then you can find me at fancy dot magnolia that's m-a-g-n-o-l-i-a-l-l-c so fancy is f-a-n-c-y dot magnolia m-a-g-n-o-l-i-a-l-l-c you can follow me on instagram and as i start to upload and post things out 
we will definitely make sure you all are up to date. And I'm also setting up an Etsy page that I will I will blast to you because that would be more for customized pieces. Yes. What's really cool about my pieces are they're sublimated, especially my clothes. And I don't know if you all are familiar with the term sublimation, but it does, it's not a print that is laid on top. It's basically like, if you think about like a Versace or a Roberto Cavalli, like the fab, the, the, the print is in the fabric. Yeah. It, that's what the sublimation is. And it, it gets printed on demand. So they're not sitting around in a warehouse waiting on anyone. So as you order these prints, because they are so graphic, it reminds me of tattoos. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like art for the body. And you can put it on a bag, you can put it on a, a mug, it just, it just allows you to live it, carry it, you know, and just like be it. And um, so that's, that's one of the even cooler things about it is that for kind of like your ready to wear items, they get printed on demand. Your stuff comes fresh off the press and it gets sent directly to you once you order it. But for like the Etsy page, what I would like to do is say, for instance, if you had, uh, you're like, I love this, but I want this gone. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I can customize it for you or I want that to be a different color. Or if you have ideas and you're like, because what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to release all of my images. Right. Um, there will be some things that if you have a certain taste or a genetic quaff for certain things, I can custom color you a piece. Okay. I'll be using the Etsy page for. Well, that sounds very exciting. You'll have to, I know it took us forever to get you to come on, <laughs> but you'll have to come back. I will. So this, and, and. Who knows what we may talk about uh, when you come back? Because I know we went we went all the way around the world, but that's why I said, "Girl, take the conversation wherever you want it to go." Like I feel like right now, I think people's minds are all over the place, and I think life is just all over the place. And yeah, my career path is cool, but you know, it's the mechanics behind that, the mindset. I think is more important. Me and one of my homeboys, we were sitting around talking the other night, and it is totally. In anything you do, it's your mindset. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's your mindset. And I think a lot of times we just miss that part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to take care of our mind. Because, I mean, the trauma that so many of us have experienced, different um, situations that we've been in that definitely impacts the way we think about things and our approach to life is something. That's why I tell people all of the time, I am an advocate for um, making sure you you take care of that mental health. Um, it's important. That's a part of self-care also. So I know so often, you know, when we talk about self-care, sometimes we'll focus on the, I'll get a manicure, a pedicure, but no. Get my eyes done. Right. Popping. That's not you got pretty lashes, but <laughs> just tears behind them. What good does that do? Yes. Yes. So I am all for self-care, but my self-care sometimes can look like just putting my phone on do not disturb and laying in my bed. I don't take naps 
for example, but that's something that I'm trying to incorporate because I realized now I need that to like replenish and refresh because I'm so, oftentimes I'm mentally and emotionally drained because my mind is constantly racing about something. So that's just my way of just taking care of myself and making sure that my mental faculties are intact and that I'm in the right frame of mind when I'm dealing with people or dealing with certain things. So that mindset definitely um, plays a huge role in how we approach life and how we interact with one another. I know people like my little homie, they be like, oh, you're so bougie with your little baths and your mint and stuff. I'm like, you can call it what you want to, but what you won't call me is upset, baby. Because I'm going to come in my apartment, my little studio apartment in Harlem on the West side. And I'm going to call, I call it Spa 491. Baby, I'm going to go up here to the corner bodega. I'm going to holler at old boy and get me some $2 mint, a fresh bundle. I'm going to bring it and put it in my blender. I'm going to strain it. And I'm going to run my bath and you're going to think I'm in the, the Grand Canyon spa, honey, because I'm about to turn it up. I'm about to go and get, I bought me some plants. I, I just wanted to be surrounded by life. I wanted to be surrounded by something that was inspiring and green that would give me something to focus on as far as growth and a constant reminder of yeah, we might get a little dry sometimes. We might lean over, but like, we'll ward ourselves again and we'll perk up. And sometimes we might get too dehydrated and you have to throw me in the garbage and start all over again. But, you know, that's that's life. So, and when I want self-care for me, I don't drink coffee. I don't do a lot. I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get me a matcha tea or Starbucks and get me a matcha tea. And before the city was closed, I used to go to my little like specialty tea shops downtown and get them. I need those things those are like little pieces of heaven for me yeah when I was at work going outside for five or ten minutes to just walk and get those things and come back I don't want to talk to you at the water cooler right now Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I don't want to know how your weekend was I don't (laughs) so don't ask me about mine that's self-care for me boundaries (laughs) So you set your self-care and boundaries during the week too, not just on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, yes, baby. <laughs> yes. Oh, come ha- come out, have dinner, have drinks with us. Nope, been with you guys for 12 hours today. Time for me to go. Deuces. Oh, you never hang out with us. That's true. If you want me to work efficiently and do my job the way that I'm supposed to be doing where it really counts, it's probably best that I don't hang out with y'all. Right. Yeah, I definitely exercise those boundaries. Um, I have my moments, but for the most part, when I am physically drained, like I, I definitely will have my libations, but I'm not what one would consider like a heavy drinker. Trust me, I had my moments in my time back in the day, but I got to keep my temple Mm -hmm. as a woman of color and as a woman who is of a certain age right now, the body responds very differently to things. And you can call it vanity, you can call it self-preservation, you can call it whatever you want to, but what you won't call me is old and wrinkled and tired. <laughs> well, you are certainly not that, and you are evident that Black does not crack, my dear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I kind of even stopped that, thank you, mama. I even stopped that because I would notice, like, after a certain point, I would be out for the whole weekend. Like, I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. So honestly, those few hours of that fun 
for two days of downtime, again, I think about the impact of me going down the road. I got stuff to do. I can't be, I can't be out like that. Can't have acid reflux. It's not worth it. Right. I don't want my liver shriveling up. Right. I'm, 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 I'm over 40. I, I, I want to have children. So at least I can set my little garden up in a way that it's still viable. You know what I mean? In the best way. So my seeds ain't all dry and drunken and crazy. Okay. I went a few years ago to, to preserve my eggs because I just was, you know, I was open to it. I, if it happened, it happened. But again, no, no, no planet, no planet Earth has happened here naturally. Okay, well, we got to give, uh, well, we haven't even gotten started on traveling together. So before you decide to go having seeds planted, whereas you're going to need babysitters, you see, I've got the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, My house is almost empty. Well, let me tell you, let me, let me, let me deflect that comment. Com I have a good friend of mine and also like an associate of mine who much like myself uh, said seed will get strapped to our chest and come right along with us. Okay. And, and when we get there, there will be care. Okay. Of said child, but we're not letting that stop us or any of our feng shui. Okay. All right. That's why I wanted to set myself up beyond a certain point to where those things, when it does call time for it, is not a problemo for me. All right. Gotcha. All right. Well, I already know you stay passport ready, and so do I. So let's make it happen, Captain. Even though puppy is ESA uh, approved, even though they're trying to hate on us and trying to change it, but he 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 goes where I go. So said thing will happen with said seed. You get okay. what I gotcha. So let me ask you, as we wrap up uh, this episode and light it up, I want you to think about, think back, Sadiqa. Um, well, first, let me just say thank you for, I really love how this conversation went. I wasn't expecting, didn't expect. I know we were supposed to talk about like my journey in New York, my door to explore things, but Girl, I think, you know, we could talk, we, I feel like this conversation, like divine intervention took over and some things just came up that even, again, the mechanics behind that are even more important. Right, right. So we, we know we're going to do it again. Um, but thank you, because this was good. This is therapeutic. Um, I want you to think about, um, so you're 40 years old thinking mm -hmm. you'll be 41 later this year yeah in august out and girl these grays popping girl i can't wait for my grades to come out i love them <laughs> most people won't say that but i'm happy i love my gray too you can't see it today but i've got gray in there i, I rarely have somewhere in my edges um but what would you tell your younger self what advice would you give your younger self Funny enough, I can tell you right now okay. because I had this, this, someone asked me this question. I did a, um, for our homecoming week last week with my alma mater still in the college and they asked us that. Okay. My, my response was in all honesty was unplanned to plan. I always, 
and I'm not, I'm, let me stop saying always, I've been one that tends towards kind of floating. Mm-hmm. But even in that floating, I had expectations of what the outcome was supposed to be. And I had to learn again, even in college, I went to school for one thing, but got exposed and had opportunities for many other things. So I would tell myself to unplan the plan, take a load off of my shoulders because I was very mature for my age and took on more responsibility than I should. And, and be present. Even though, like I said, I, 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 I don't live too far in the future, but even then I was so busy trying to organize everything and working and this and then the other, I forgot what it felt like to be like, just be. So I would tell my younger self, unplan the plan, be present and have even more courage than you did before. Those are all great tips for your younger self. Great tips for someone else too, who's listening. Never know. So you have, I think, blessed. You've definitely blessed me today. I think you've blessed my listeners too. So I just want to thank you for always being just a wonderful, you know, I got to call you my little sister because you're younger than me. It's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it, honey. I'm a little deep, honey, always. That's what it's going to be. But I'm going to tell you publicly, I am so very proud of you and we're going to make our way to New York City because your little niece, Khalees, actually wants to come to New York for her birthday, but that's next. Yeah, but that's not happening this month, <laughs> but we're coming to New York to see you. Um, I'm very proud of you. Um, next time you come on, we will talk a little bit more about what you do professionally. But again, I think the direction that we went in today was, it was greatly needed. So whatever you want, man, if you, if you record this and you feel like you want to roundabout, I'm here. And that's one thing I I made a commitment to myself was making myself more available and more open to putting myself out there in such a way. I just always have been so kind of insular with myself that I didn't want to share these things, but it's, it's, again, it's pushing me in a direction where I can't help it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually having fun doing it. And myself going into like a life coaching environment eventually so um because yeah. i've seen some of the of the videos you did a couple of videos that i saw very good well, that, was, that was definitely nerve-wracking for me as, as outgoing as people think i am they don't realize how how reserved i am and how to myself i really truly am and um i'm used to kind of I mean, I'm a hairdresser, like, you know, you see what you see. And it's just like, I'm always me, but then there's different levels of me and opening up in a, a little bit more of a deeper way is something that I've always kind of like reserved for my close family and friends. And now I'm opening myself up to that a little bit more. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm sure you are going to help a lot of people. So. So, funny enough, I need to share my last little DIB video before I, on my little IG page. I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to watch it or if it's going to help, but I'll share it. Well, I'm going to take a look at it. So share it with me. Okay. 
send it to me. Yeah, but no, this has been great. This was a very seamless, very organic conversation. And I appreciate you for even having the awareness and the presence to create such a platform for young individuals like myself and any of our any of our other partners in the universe that we share. So thank you for putting your money where your mouth is. And I can say I'm extremely proud of you. Like, dude, I'm sitting on a, a Zoom with a, a, an author, like uh, a young woman that I used to like hang out and play in your basement. And you're now a published author. Like, that's a blessing for me. Like, you're an inspiration for me. And I always looked up to you, dude. So, you know. Okay, you're going to keep making me cry today. But I appreciate that. Because, you know, I always wanted a sister. And like, well, you know, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. And you were like a version of that for me. And I always found you to be a, 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 a bar to match even though I had my own little quirks about myself, like you definitely were always someone that was in the forefront of my mind as someone to emulate. Oh, all right. Now the floodgates are going to start. So I got to stop now, Sadiqwa. And I love you. And I just want to say thank you. And I love you too. All righty. <clears throat> okay, so on this episode of Light It Up, we've shed some tears. Um, <laughs> but it's all good, right? Because sometimes you got to let those emotions go. I will leave for those people who were stuck. Can I say this? Vulnerability is a strength. Being honest and true about where you are in a situation takes a lot more courage and a lot more balls, excuse my language, than sitting there with the sphinx face and everything it took me a long time to learn that that is not a weakness it is actually the pillar of my strength that anyone in any way that's stuck and it's okay to not be okay absolutely and the other thing that i want to say too is to tell people how you feel about them while they're here give people their flowers while they're still present. That's definitely something that, um, that I learned. So on that note, you all, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Light It Up. Um, I really hope that you, um, that this episode was a blessing uh, to you. And as always, please continue to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.